0: Welcome to Getting Salty Tank Talk where we get our feet wet weekly. Looking like a flower plucked straight from a colorful spring garden, zoanthids are probably one of the most common corals in the saltwater hobby today. Now, there are three types of zoanthids and they are explained as follows. First, we have zoanthus. These are the prized polyps that year after year remain incredibly popular in the fish keeping hobby. There are many different striking color patterns. Next, we have palithoa. Different than zoanthus, their mouth is a slit rather than round. This animal tends to grow in dome-shaped colonies, and while still popular, their numbers in no way come close to the captive-owned zoanthids on the market. Finally, that brings us to proto These guys do not tend to live in large colonies like the other zoanthids, but instead tend to live alone. Feel free to see the links in the episode description for more information. Now for our purposes in this episode, we will be discussing zoanthids, but from here on, I will be referring to them in general as zoanthids or zoas. Zoanthids are colonial animals with multiple individual polyps attached to a piece of live rock. They do best in clusters rather than on their own while having no problem growing over and around obstacles. They will reproduce easily in the reef aquarium by budding, which is splitting off a portion of their base or mouth to form a new polyp which will ultimately increase the overall size of the mother colony. That last two facts should leave a beginner and expert as well aware that it is common to receive a rock that is not completely covered in polyps. However, under the right conditions, they will quickly spread across this and surrounding rocks in the aquarium. Of course, there are always exceptions to the rule, as some zoanthids grow very, very slow. Some of these slow growing gems are actually considered the pricier specimens due to their select availability. Now, before talking about color, since let's face it, that is a huge part of the draw and why we are here, Let's get a few other items out of the way, like anatomy. Zoanthids have four general upper body areas to pay attention to. The first and the outermost area of the top portion are, of course, the tentacles, also known as the tentacular crown. Some of us might be heard calling the tentacles of a zoanthid a skirt even. Next would bring us to the oral disc. Most people call it the center. This is where most, if not all, of the zoanthid's color lies. Sometimes that area can even be split into distinct color areas, and while still the oral disc, each can be considered its own area. So that brings us to a possible third section that showcases an increased amount of ongoing color, a decreased amount of ongoing color, or a completely new color altogether. This is a there-or-not-there type of area. Some zoas seem to have it, some just don't, and since this area doesn't always exist, it is a zoa to zoa basis. Lastly it brings us to the mouth or gut opening, although I'm pretty sure most people just call it the mouth. Aside from the upper disc area, zoanthids have a stalk and base, but they are relatively unremarkable. One thing that can be addressed before moving on to the next section though, would be the stretching of the stalk towards lighting sources. While some zoas are just built that way, Others may actually be trying to reach for more light. Keep in mind when placing livestock that occasionally it may have to be moved even if ever so slightly. Zoanthids absolutely have the ability to sting other polyps and corals as well. That sting comes directly from the tentacles. Now, while the sting is not particularly strong, they do sometimes get considered as semi-aggressive, but normally only because they need some space between their colony and that of any neighbors so that they don't crowd them out. A healthy and fast-growing zoanthid colony can very easily choke out neighboring corals, or even take over the spots where those corals had planned to grow out to. They are easy to maintain, however, and can even be removed or fragged, which is short for fragmented, with a little practice and patience in the right setting, which makes them a great choice for beginner reef aquarists. Suanthids do on average require a higher level of lighting combined with medium water movement within the aquarium. For continued success and good health, They will also require the addition of iodine and other trace elements to the water if not already present or represented during your normal water changes now in stepping back to discuss more about the actual coloration of zoanthids it's very important to understand they contain a symbiotic algae zooxanthellae which actually provide most all of the individual polyps nutritional requirements and the color that we see and if the lighting is not optimal that symbiotic algae is not going to be healthy and possibly die off, which is going to affect the color of the zoanthid. They really should be fed microplankton or baby brine shrimp to keep them healthy, although that won't be a permanent fix. Shout out if you're local here in Arizona to Reef Stew. To better the lighting and water conditions, the better the overall health, growth rate and even chances to experience a hybridized growth event or morph. Many of today's specimens are actually around because of that exact reason. Wild colonies are still present and introduce themselves to the hobby, but those around for any extended period of time know that it's all about the morph, especially if that morph holds. Zoanta's most common colors are green and orange, however they are also found in many other bright colors such as yellow, blue, red, purple, tie-dyed, every color combination of the rainbow. Sometimes it even looks like the color is just sprinkled on top. This is Drew Daly with Getting Salty Tank Talk. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive around zoanthids, and don't forget to see any links in the episode description for more info. Thanks again.